Jesus. And so we're really focusing on the naturally supernatural part. And if you're new at Zion, we'd love to help you get connected. And so there's going to be a QR code coming on the, uh, on the screen there. You can get connected that way. Fill it out. We'll um, have some special things for you. Or there's a Connect card in the seat in front of you. And so if you'll fill that out. But if you're new here, well, if you're local here especially, if you'd like to raise your hand, our, our ushers are coming around, we'd like to give you a special gift. Anybody new here? Yeah, I see someone in the back there, over here on the side. Yeah, let's welcome them. Awesome. We're not trying to embarrass you, we're just trying to give you a gift. So here we go, right down here in front in the second row. We've got one in the back there, so awesome. So glad you guys are here. And um, another thing you could do is you could uh, text the word CONNECT to 614-333-1101, and that'll get it for you. And so uh, we've got a newcomer's dessert coming up March 23rd, and so it's a chance for us to get to know you, you get to know us, our ministry teams will be there. It's, uh, it's a great time, and we do have things other than sweets if you're on one of those diet type things. All right. All right, so, um, so hey, we're going to receive the offering before we get going here. How many excited about that? Yeah, and so the heart of an offering is always to give it out of love. We're not giving out of guilt. We're not paying God a tax for breathing his air. We are, uh, he's not going to send Guido to break our kneecaps if we don't give 10%. Um, you know, he's a, he's a good God. I like to say he's God the Father, not the Godfather, Right. And so uh, we're giving out of a heart of love. 1 Corinthians 13.3 says something interesting. It says, if you even, even if you give away all your possessions, and you, even if you were to surrender your body to be burned by the flames, in other words, become a martyr, if you have not love, it profits you. So, Lord, we're giving, uh, we're giving this because we love you. And so, Lord, we just thank you that everything we have, breath, talents, gifts, being put in the most prosperous country and the most prosperous time in history. And, uh, Lord, you've given it to us. you blessed us to be a blessing. And so, Lord, as we take these gifts and uh, we give them back to you, we are so thankful. And uh, we love you. And we pray that it would further your name on planet Earth. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I guess there's a couple different ways you can give. You can figure it out from there. I'm not very good at this. All right, you guys ready? All right. They have message Jim Baker shortened on the, uh, on the order service. I'm just going to cross off the shortened part, message Jim Baker. How are we doing? It's not going to go long. But it's not going to go short. I guess it's all relative. If you're used to two-hour sermons, you can be like, that's it? That's it? That's all it was? So we're in a series called Heal Like Jesus. And here's the idea. There's 26 different healing stories in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're taking them one at a time. Sometimes the stories are told in more than one place. Our story today is only found in the Gospel of Mark. And we're going to learn how to heal like Jesus the same way the disciples did. They looked over the shoulder of Jesus. They, they learned to do healing ministry, not from, not from the Old Testament, they learned to do it from Jesus himself. And so the idea is that we're looking at these stories. We're not just admiring what Jesus can do. We're definitely doing that. If you hear a good Bible message, it should leave you worshiping Jesus more, not being more impressed by what was said. Okay? So we're definitely going to be amazed at the genius of Jesus. But we're also going to be amazed at is that now that we've been united to Jesus, we get to heal the sick the same way he did. How did he heal the sick? He healed it as a man in right relationship with God. Listen, if you are born again, if you're saved here today, then you have the same relationship with the Father that Jesus has with the Father. You've been adopted. Well, let that one sink in. That could, that could ruin some bad theology right there. So how did Jesus heal the sick? He did it as a man in right relationship with the Father and a man completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Guess what? We can depend on the Holy Spirit. We're going to be praying for the sick at the end, and if you're receiving prayer or if you're uh, the one giving prayer, I got some good news for you. Um, the pressure's off because it ain't all about you. See, healing ministry is only difficult if you think you have a whole bunch to do with it. Let me give you your part. Your part, put your eyes on Jesus. And we're, I'm going to help you do that today. I'm going to paint pictures from, the, from this gospel story. We're going to see Jesus more clearly. We're going to put our eyes there. We're going to have you stick your hand on somebody and say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Why, why in the name of Jesus? Because it's his authority. It's not, it's not us becoming amazing and God's now rewarding you for your devotional time with a healing anointing. No, no, it's a gift. You don't earn gifts. And so our part, fix our eyes in Jesus, pray with authority. His part, all the hard stuff. Broken bones resetting, cancer dissolving, diabetes leaving bodies. Can I share with you a, a testimony that I'm afraid to share because it's so mentally offensive? So I'm on a, I'm on a, uh, I was having breakfast with a couple pastor friends of mine, and they're crazy for Jesus. I'll just say their names, Aaron Simmons and Chuck Hagee. They're uh, board members here at the church. And so we're having, and so Chuck is in a doctoral program for a doctor of ministry, and he's with, uh, in a Randy Clark program. And so part of what Randy does is he interviews different kind of revivalists, and he always ends with this question, what's the wildest miracle you've ever seen? How many of you think that builds your faith here, these things from all around the world? 
And so um, he asked this one guy, it was a pastor from Nigeria. I've got his name on my phone. I can't remember his name right now. And uh, the guy kind of chuckled. He's like, well, <laughs> this just happened two weeks ago. And he says, I prayed for these two people who had uh, transgendered from men into women. And so they've had mutilation, they've had parts cut off and all that stuff. And so he prayed for them, and, uh, and the demons came out of them. That, that These men were possessed by demons. I'm not saying all of them are, but these two happened to be. They were possessed by demons. How many believe that's a good idea? And then he prays for them, and their bodies morphed back into men. If that doesn't get you canceled, I don't know what will. Guys, Jesus has answers to whatever your problem is. It's not going to dim the lights of heaven to completely heal your condition today. I'm just asking you to push past any disappointments, push past any fear of what if it doesn't work, and let's just, you know, it's already not working, so you can get past that fear. <laughs> like, 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 yeah, I tried that. It's not all it's cracked up to be. Let's put our eyes on Jesus afresh and let him speak to us today. So let's look at uh, Mark chapter 8. Uh, if you're online, there's a little handout. The reason I give you these handouts with the scripture in them is so you can meditate on it during the week. So you might want to take notes on it. You might want to just listen to it, let it wash over you, and you can uh, listen to it again and take notes. Mark chapter 8, verse 22, and they came to Bethsaida. This, the, the, they is Jesus and his disciples. And they came to Bethsaida, which was a city, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands in him, how many excited to try to spit on somebody today? We're not going to be doing that. <clears throat> And you're like, man, when are we going to do that? <clears throat> Probably never, I hope, anyway. <clears throat> and when Jesus had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I, I, I see people, but they, they look like trees walking. And then Jesus laid, his hand, uh, laid hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, do not even enter the village. All right, a lot of interesting things in the story. So the first part of the verse there, Mark 8.22 and they came to Bethsaida. Now, Bethsaida, you find out early in the story of Jesus, it's the, it's the uh, birthplace of Peter, Andrew, and um, Philip. They were three of Jesus' disciples. So Andrew came to Jesus first, and he brings his, buddy Phil, uh, brings his brother Peter. Then his buddy Philip comes. It's right next door. Bethsaida's right next door to Capernaum. And as we've been looking at these miracles, man, Capernaum has seen some awesome things. They have seen lots of miracles. When Jesus is healing the multitudes, I mean, just over the shore from there, he's feeding the 5,000. So miracles are happening in this region like crazy. Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount in that area. So these people, they saw these miracles, but here's the problem, is they didn't respond in their heart. They didn't say, wow, this is the Messiah. They just treated him like an ordinary miracle worker, and they kind of hardened their heart against him. And so eventually, Jesus pronounces an awful prophecy over this region. So listen to Matthew chapter 11. Here's what Jesus says about this town that they're getting ready to walk into. He says this in another spot. Woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon. Tyre and Sidon were two Old Testament wicked cities, okay? So he's like, guys, I've just done tons of miracles in you. If the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. That's a terrible word there. Like, I, I, how would you like to have Jesus prophesy that over there? Woe to you, it will be terrible. Like, no, nobody wants that. The word woe there in the Greek, it's not a harsh word. It's a Jesus is almost weeping over Bethsaida. It's this whoa. I mean, his heart is broken. He's not, he's, how many of you guys can picture the angry prophet with the crooked finger and the spooky eyes, right? Not, Jesus isn't doing spooky, spooky prophet eyes. He's brokenhearted. Woe to you guys. Do you see what you've done? He's, he's, he's just brokenhearted. All that you've seen, all that your eyes have seen, all that your ears have heard, it'd be better for you to be a wicked Old Testament city than for you to have this great revelation to completely harden your heart to it. Okay? So that's the atmosphere of this miracle. Jesus is coming into this town, and they are cynical. They have hardened their heart. They've seen it. They've done all that. Yeah, they'll use Jesus for the miracles, but they're not, they're not going to give their hearts over to him. They've not allowed their, the, the miracles to turn their hearts to understand Jesus is the Messiah. Okay, so let's read verse 22 again. And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. Now, we don't know who this blind guy is, and, um, but they've seen enough or they've heard enough to know that, hey, if we can get our friend to Jesus, then Jesus is going to help him. Okay? We know this blind man must have been able to see at one time because later on he says, I see men, and they're walking like trees. So he knew what men look like. He knew what trees look like. So apparently he lost his sight at some point. 
And there was lots of eye diseases in the uh, New Testament days that if you got them, there was just absolutely no cure for them. And once you were blind, it's not like there was a whole bunch of jobs back then. And so they typically became beggars. They were a little bit of outcast society, society unless they had some rich relatives. But most of the uh, blind people in the New Testament, we see they were begging on the side of the road to make a living. And so um, I don't believe this man shared the unbelief of the people of the area because Jesus worked for them. I want you guys to hear this. Jesus can never work with unbelief. He can work with doubts. We're going to get to the difference between that. But he can't work with unbelief. Remember, Jesus is in his hometown of Nazareth. And what does he say in uh, Mark 6, 5? He says, and Jesus could do no mighty works there, except he laid his hands on a few sick people and he healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Unbelief ties the hands of God. It makes it impossible for anything to happen. Unbelief is anti-faith. It stands against faith. And when Jesus is in that atmosphere of that hostility, of that, of that kind of unbelief, he actually can't do anything. Except there's a few people, it looks like in his hometown, that came to him and he did lay his hands on them. So faith is coming to Jesus expecting him to help. Unbelief doesn't come to Jesus and doesn't expect him to do anything. Okay? So when I say unbelief, I don't mean doubt. Doubt's not all that bad. Just about every person that Jesus has worked with, this is our 17th story. Just about every person Jesus worked with, uh, they had doubts. Like, he can work with doubts. Everything that you strongly believe now, you once had a doubt about at some point. So doubts are almost like these necessary stepping points to faith. So if you're here and you've got doubts, i got some good news for you. Those are the stepping stones just leading you right to Jesus. Each one of those things gets, gets answered. Most people have enough faith to be healed, uh, to be healed or to heal the sick. The problem is it's not faith, but it's doubt. Jesus says if you'll just believe and not doubt, it only takes a mustard seed size faith, like a little poppy seed. That's mustard seed, mountain-moving faith, and you can just cut off those doubts. And so what we see Jesus doing is uh, he's qualifying them because he is there. Now they're going to be healed. How do we get qualified? We're qualified because of what Jesus has done on the cross, because he's already said yes now they can be, that, that, that removes all the doubts. All those excuses, when we come into the presence of Jesus, they don't matter. When you come to Jesus, he's there to help you. So when you, when you doubt, you're judging yourself disqualified. It's like your doubt overshadows your faith. I've got faith, but there's this shadow coming over me that's like, yeah, but what about this? You know, you're not good enough. You didn't pray enough. You don't have enough faith. What if Jesus is teaching you some lesson? God is mysterious. What if he's sovereign? What about Job? What about Paul's thorn in the flesh? Doubt, doubt, doubt. But when you see Jesus, you're like, hold on, he healed everybody. He's taking time from this person. This person didn't have perfect faith. You know, we're, some of these people who were dead, they didn't seem to have great faith. They were dead. <laughs> but when someone came in the presence of Jesus, all those doubts disappeared because they saw him. They felt the compassion of God. They're like, oh, none of those things matter. Jesus, how are we doing? And so for, um, for today, Jesus is revealed in his word, and you have to come to a place where the Bible is more real to you than anything else. In this, guy, in this man's case, Jesus is the living word of God. He's revealing the heart of God, and as Jesus became more real to him than all these other things, healing happened. And this guy, I don't know about this story, how you're reading this story, it almost appears like he's passive. It's almost like he's lethargic, right? Um, all the other blind people in the New Testament get, that get healed, they're screaming their heads off. They're excited. Son of David, have mercy. I mean, the crowd's like, shut up. Son of David, they get even louder. Remember the two blind guys we looked at a couple weeks ago? Somehow they're shouting. They follow, follow Jesus. Jesus goes into a house and ignores them. Somehow they find their way into the house. Yeah. Not this guy. He's just kind of led there. Just kind of stands there. He's not saying anything. He's kind of passive. He's almost a little bit lethargic. And it says, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. This guy isn't begging Jesus. The friends are doing all the talking. Those are some good friends. Some of you have been dragged here today by a good friend. Like, I don't know why I'm here. Maybe come. What was this healing thing? Get some lunch afterwards. They said they'd buy me lunch. And so. We're not against sanctified bribes at this church. We are all for them. But it's almost like it's someone else's agenda. Someone else is excited for this guy to get healed, and they're bringing him. There's no aggressiveness in this fellow. He's just standing there and doesn't say a word. He lets others bring him. He lets others do all the talking for him. And as we've looked at these stories of Jesus, we've noticed faith has some symptoms. Okay, One of the symptoms of faith would be complete trust. It's like they're abandoning themselves to Jesus. They're begging themselves. They're throwing their, their, themselves at the feet of Jesus. It's like, I've tried all these other things, and now, Jesus, I'm, I'm pushing all my chips to the center of the table. Listen, God's not against medicine. He's against being number two. 
Okay, and so, man, God wants you alive until you can get healed, okay? So we're not against doctors, but we don't put our trust in, in doctors, and then if that doesn't work, we try Jesus. I had a friend that said, you know what, every time I take this pill, I'm taking it by faith that, God, this is the last time I'm ever going to need this pill. That's not a bad way to do it. Faith is always specific. It comes with a specific request. It's not like, oh, Lord, if you want to do anything in my life, I'll take anything, even if it's a crumb. No, no, no. Jesus is always getting the specific. He's like, what do you want? Well, it's like, Lord, I want to receive my sight. My little daughter is very sick. My servant is lying home at sick. Right? So it's, it's a specific request. Remember, Jesus is the moment. Do you believe I can do this for you? So faith, it's, it's, it's coming to Jesus with a specific, I'm expecting something specific. Um, one of the symptoms of faith is anticipation or expectancy. I think that's how you can almost interchange those things, faith and expectancy. Listen, today, if you're going to be receiving prayer, whether you're online or whether, you are, uh, or whether you're here in person, if you're going to be receiving prayer or if you're going to be the one giving the prayer, I want you to just raise your expectancy and say, something's going to happen. What if you took on the belief, it's impossible to pray and have nothing happen? If your eyes are focused on Jesus, guys, the pressure is off of you. We're not going to get into performance anxiety here. But my eyes are on Jesus, and when I pray, I know it's more than just a prayer. I'm a, I'm a conduit. I'm a channel for which the power of God is flowing through. When you're laying hands on someone, it's never just your hand. It's not just this symbolic act. No, that was supposed to be a Gregorian chant from a monk. I know, it, was, it wasn't very good. It's not just like this symbolic, this, this, this ritualistic thing. It's no, Jesus said, when you lay hands on the sick, they will recover. Why are they going to recover? Because it's his authority flowing through you. We're become the lightning rod between heaven and earth by which heaven can invade somebody's body. Well, Jim, what if I don't feel electricity? You probably won't. You have to believe it and not feel it. How many of you guys realize uh, that Christianity is called the faith, not the feeling? All right. So faith, another symptom of faith is always has perseverance. We looked at people we've seen so far. They would not take no for an answer. All right. The, the blind man, he pushed into the house and would not take no for an answer. Jesus healed many uh, blind people by this time. I mean, they're, they're, they're fighting through the crowd, making other people unclean, grabbing the hem of his garment. So I was uh, with some friends this week, and uh, we got to have breakfast with his 83-year-old grandma, and so, uh, or his 83-year-old mother, his 83-year-old mother. So Rhonda, if you're watching, hello. And so she's the 83-year-old. And so she was, uh, I don't know if she was at the grandkids' house, I don't know where she was at, but there was a hoverboard there. And so she decides she wants to try out the hoverboard at age 83. Well, what could go wrong, right? And so I guess you get on the things, and like you tilt forward, it goes forward, backwards, and I guess if you lean sideways, it'll spin on you, it'll turn. <laughs> Rhonda, what are you thinking? Help me, Rhonda. And so she, uh, she gets on there, and uh, so she's, she's kind of getting her balance, and as she does, she goes sideways, and it begins to spin and throws her off. And so she lands hard on her hip and bangs her head hard. So everyone's, oh, my goodness. And so she gets up, and so she's had pain for a, a number of weeks in her hip, so a bunch of pain. A couple weeks ago, she says, I was watching your service, and uh, someone from a ministry team gave a word of knowledge about a hip. And so she listens to that, and she says, you know what? That's for me. And she's like, you know what, I know I've got some doubts, but I am not going to let this thing go. This is mine. And so she, uh, and so she held on to that thing. So she, every day for two weeks, she's just believing, she's believing. She said after two weeks, she realized it was completely gone. She didn't even know what pain. It was like pain and instant. When did it happen? Who cares? But faith has perseverance. Guys, don't stop believing after the prayer ends. I see so many Christians, they don't even have faith that makes it through the prayer. In the name of Jesus, oh, it's still hurting. Well, don't, yeah, well, look for improvement. Don't look for the pain. Wait, it's feeling better. We're going to get to that here in just a second. So it's our 17th healing story of Jesus we looked at, and we see this many, many times. Jesus is the one who creates the faith, okay? You don't come to Jesus with all of this faith that you've worked up, and you present it to him, and he looks and says, wow, you have amazing faith. Now I'm going to reward you with healing, we're not coming to Jesus to impress him with our, healing, with our faith report card. He's the one who creates the faith because you ain't got it. <laughs> You're never coming to Jesus. Dun, da, da, dun. There's two times where he says, wow, I, uh, that is great faith. Two times out of 26. The rest of the time, they needed help. How many of you realize, you might need some help. I need some help. And guess where that faith's going to come from? It comes from Jesus. In all these stories, we see him. He's making strange statements to them. He's asking them questions. He's, it's like he's reaching past their eyeballs into their will and making them, making them see, oh, this is available for me. It's not this passivity. It's like there's an expectation. Yes, 
This belongs to me. And we're going to see Jesus do that in this story. Sometimes they had minuscule faith, but uh, most, for the most part, their faith is hardly even mentioned. But Jesus, by his presence, he creates that, okay? Scripture says Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. And so when we fix our eyes on Jesus, he is going to, he's going to create that faith within us and sustain it, all right? Let me just say this before we go on the story. Faith is not an activity of your mind. This is not where you psych yourself up and you say, I believe, I believe, I believe. You're thinking of Jim Carrey in the elevator, I believe, I believe. And so... Um, Faith is birthed in you by the presence of Jesus. When you, when you fix your eyes on him, when you recognize here, suddenly faith rise. Faith is like a reflex of action, right? You know how you hit your knee and it moves? When faith sees Jesus, it says, oh, yeah, he's so good. He's so wonderful. That's why reading the Bible, we're seeing him more clearly when we read it with the Holy Spirit. All right, so the man, he's just standing there. He's passive. And Jesus is taking him aside in order to bring about faith in him. I want you to look how Jesus takes time with each person. Here's all the crowds. Here's some good news. You're not just another statistic. Jesus, Jesus wants to take you aside today and minister to you so that you can have faith drawn out. Mark 8, 23, and he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Okay? So the friends brought the blind man. Now Jesus is going to deal with this man outside of the village. Okay? It's like the friends, they've done their job. They brought him to Jesus. They've done their part. But now this guy has a part. So Jesus is like, okay. These guys are great. Takes him by the hand. You can imagine these guys. He's had to be led. He's had to be led along. Jesus takes him, and uh, the, the idea in the, in the original language, the Bible, the New Testament was written in Greek. Is there's this firm grasp. It's like I've got you now. Okay, you're with me now. And he leads him out outside of uh, outside of this, and he's going to give this guy a personal interview to bring him to faith. What a picture. Okay, as we're looking at this, I want you to remember that when you see Jesus, you're seeing God with skin on. Okay, so there's this God, omnipotent, uh, all-powerful, uh, everlasting up in heaven. And it's like, wow, that's hard to get your, get your mind around. So he's like, I'm going to come in the form of a man so you can see what I'm really like. Jesus is giving you a picture of what God is like with skin on. So here's God in human form taking the hand of a man who has no place in society, probably a beggar. He takes them by the hand, and he leads them out of town to have a personal and private audience with this guy. That's incredible to me. There, there's a humility to God, right? The creator of heaven and earth, he's leading this guy for a private audience. Why would he do that? Why would he take him away from the crowd? I mean, surely this would be a great miracle for everybody to see. Why wouldn't you agree? Like, they could probably use this. And uh, he takes him away from the crowd. Why? Because unbelief, that deliberate choice to not believe, is the only thing that can stop God's hand. Some people watching this, hopefully not people here, because um, you go here. But guys, I think we haven't realized the uh, unbelief is like a poisonous gas. And there are churches who preach unbelief and are against miracles or sometimes God would want you sick. They preach a Jesus that is nowhere in the Bible. And they rationalize it and they get you emotional about it. You can't keep breathing that gas. Okay? You need to get out of that atmosphere. You're like, Jim, what are you trying to say? Stop going to those churches. Stop listening to those preachers. Stop following the heresy hunters that if they smell anything of the glory of God, well, this can't be God because we don't have a medical report of this thing and this and that. Jesus is like, don't tell anyone. Like, like <laughs> Stop breathing in that toxic stuff and wondering why it's not working. Nazareth, Jesus could not do many mighty works because of their unbelief. So this town had become hardened and, uh, and so remember, Jesus, he's getting ready to raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. That's another miracle we looked at. What did Jesus do? He put out all the mockers. Why? Because that poisonous gas of unbelief, nobody needed to be smelling that when they're getting ready to uh, raise the dead. So we've got to face it, guys. The hands of God can be tied by people who do not want what he has to offer. And Bethsaida was in that state. It's like, well, how come no miracles happen in my church? Because you preach against miracles every week. <laughs> Have you ever wondered why more healings happen at churches that preach it's always God's will to heal? There's no gas smell or unbelief smell. All right, there we go. Also note, um, uh, Jesus, after he heals the man, he says, don't go back into the village. Did you catch that part in the story? He heals the guy and says, don't go back in the village. He's like, I want you to go straight home. Don't go back into the village. Why? Because that town of atmosphere of doubt and unbelief. We've actually seen some people, they go back to their churches and they lose their healings. You're like, how can that happen? Unbelief, doubt. Did that really happen? Are you sure? I wonder how long it's going to last. 
Did the doctor say so? Uh, listen, guys, if you're healed, the doctor will give a report that way. The doctors aren't going to say, hey, they don't have a category in their manuals, for, in, their, in, their, in their books for, for miracles. They're not like, oh, acts of God. You know, put that to the insurance company. Like, they don't have those categories. <laughs> right? But they, they, they can say, I don't have an explanation, but the tumor's not there. You know what? There's metal in your neck. I can't explain why it's moving. And in some cases, I can't explain why it's no longer there. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the medical report and the God report will line up at some level. They just may not use the language. They might say, you're in remission. We have a spontaneous remission. That happened the exact moment when you had hands laid on you. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. So I want you to try and feel what this man is feeling. His friends are excited. They bring him to Jesus. You almost get the impression that he's shy. Right? He's not loud like the other blind people who had been healed. Uh, he's a man that maybe he'd be very embarrassed if Jesus had... Uh, had healed him in front of this crowd, and the first thing he sees are all these gawking eyeballs at him. And so I want you to see Jesus, the, the kindness of Jesus, okay? Um, Jesus, you're seeing the love of God in Jesus. When I see Jesus, I'm seeing God, and I see God taking this man by the hand and saying, you know what, we're not going to embarrass you in front of the Sometimes Jesus healed in front of the crowds, but this guy, this isn't what he needed. He needed some special time alone. And Jesus understands, it's okay. You don't know what's going on. You can hear the noise. You can hear all these people. Come with me. He, he takes him by the hand. He, he takes him with this authoritative grasp and says, I've got you now. It's going to be okay. That gentle care, that love of God for a man who probably would have been embarrassed. If you guys uh, remember 1 Corinthians 13, people call it the love chapter. Love is patient. Love is kind. Okay? The Bible says God is love. <clears throat> so I don't know if you've ever done this before, but what if you replaced the word um, uh, love with Jesus? Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus is not jealous or boastful or rude. Jesus is not irritable. Boy, that should change somebody's theology. A lot of people get a picture of these people. Man, they're doubting, on, you know, all this doubt, all this sin. I've just about had it with them. And if it gets up to another three millimeters, I'm going to pour out my fierce wrath in this country. Guys, he already poured out his fierce wrath upon his son who became sin. Okay, he's not angry. He's not even in a bad mood. I imagine he's grieved. Have you seen the news? Okay, but it's, God is not punishing you for your sins. There's, there's sowing and reaping. There's a real devil out there that you can open yourself up to. He doesn't need punishment when we've got ourselves. Okay, but I want you to see from the God side, he is just waiting to bless you. I'm not saying there's not going to be a judgment at the end of time for unbelievers. I'm just saying that, um, are you ready for this next one? Jesus keeps no record of being wronged. He's not up there, I know what you did last summer. <laughs> Jesus, are you ready for this? Jesus never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. We're going to see Jesus prays for this guy more than one time. Why? Because he never gives up. He never loses faith. You're like, Jim, I've been prayed for by Benny Hinn. Bill Johnson, all, all these people, the best of the best, Heidi Baker, all these, all these, Andrew Mark, all these wonderful people. Guess what? Jesus never gives up. He never loses faith. He's not discouraged about your situation. And today, I think, believe, he, believe he's given you a grace to just shrug those things off and say, you know what? I've been disappointed in the past, but you're not going to get faith from looking at your disappointments. You're going to get faith from saying, let me see God with skin on, what he's really like. And so love says, let's get away from this crowd. Let's get away from all these staring people. Let's talk in private. You know what it's like if you ever ask a man a question and his wife does all the answering? Okay. Yeah, I wasn't actually looking for an answer. That's me. That's me. This woman you gave me. No, no, we're not here to do that. This wasn't like testimonials. Yeah. It's almost like that's what's going on with these friends. It's like these friends are doing all the talking and everything, and now he's like, okay, that's great. I want to actually get to know you, right? All right. I didn't know that was going to be the most important part of the story here. Like, they're so ministers to me. Yes. So they're great friends, but they're the ones doing the talking. So Jesus is taking this man by the, by the hand. Why? So you can awaken his faith. Okay? Faith originates and is created in the presence of Jesus. And so now getting, getting in the presence of Jesus, seeing what Jesus is like, Jesus is going to bring faith out of him. So Mark 8, 23. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes... And laid his hands on him. He asked him, do you see anything? Now, spitting in the eyes, that's pretty disgusting in our Western mind, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's not cool. And so um, 
We saw in the last healing story that not only did the ancient people believe that there was healing properties in saliva, but there actually is. There's actually scientific evidence that there's healing energy, uh, healing agencies in it. So that's why intuitively when you get a cut, you lick it, right? And so, uh, you know, why, why do kids want you to kiss their boo-boo? They want you to give them a French kiss on it, right? They want you to kind of lick it a little bit there. So I made that part up, but anyway. So here's Jesus. He's using this healing as a, he's communicating with this guy. He's giving him a symbol. He's saying, here's the water in my mouth, the saliva in my tongue. It's full of healing agency. It's a symbol that this healing is coming from me. Like your spit is just a part as much of is just a, as much a part of you as your blood is. So he's saying this, this healing agency, it's coming from me. He's communicating to this guy in a way that he understands. Uh, my saliva is going to be healing life flowing out of me. It's like he's saying, by me taking my saliva unto your eyes, I'm saying that out from me is going to come life. Healing life is actually coming from me to your eyes. You see how he's communicating this. It may not be much of a symbol to us because it's not really so much of a symbol of that in our world, but it's a very powerful world, uh, very, very powerful symbol in the days of Jesus, okay? So you ever wonder, why didn't Jesus just say it? Why didn't he just say, hey, coming from, because the guy had hearing, right? He was just by. Why didn't Jesus just say it in that, okay? Because symbols can be louder and clearer than many words. All right, this guy has learned to live in his head. He's learned to be passive. There's noise going on all around him. He just, people just push him, and, and, and he just goes where people uh, lead him to go and push him what he's to do. They're talking, but they're not talking to him. You can't tell if they're talking to him. And so this could have just been one more word that somebody spoke to him that went in one ear and out the other. And so Jesus, he's coming to give this guy an approach with a voice that actually touches his body. That actually gets through all of the lethargy. And he puts saliva on the man's eyes, and the guy knows what it means, okay? Because symbols can touch us in a way that we're not even aware of. So ladies, you get engaged, you go into work the next day, and you drop your finger. That was the lady drop. You drop your finger on the, uh, uh, that was a little too feminine. I didn't like that. You, dro- you drop your finger, and, and what happens? All the other ladies go gaga. They come running from around the office and ooh and ah without even a word being said. Why? Because it's a symbol. And that symbol communicates more than you saying words. So here's Jesus coming with a symbol, and it's communicating more than words. Yeah. Like, did he have good aim? Like, you know, like, like, yeah. Did he practice with watermelon seeds to get, like, the target practice? I don't know. Anyway, so, so God uses symbol. And when we pray for the sick, sometimes we use symbols. We use oil. What's oil? Oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit throughout the Bible, and it's saying, in the same way that this oil is on my finger, is the Holy Spirit going to come upon you and bring you everything that Jesus paid for on the cross? What's it doing? It's conveying in the symbol a whole bunch of messages that just comes. As this oil touches my forehead, the Holy Spirit is coming upon me. The reality, you experience the reality of the symbol. Okay? And so Jesus, he brings this man through symbol what's going on. The saliva didn't heal. It was the symbol. Okay? Then Jesus lays hands on him. And so this part's unique to the miracle. Jesus doesn't say anything. Okay, so in, in other miracles, we see Jesus is laying hands, he's singing, he's telling him to do things, stretch out your hand. But we've been spending weeks studying, and, um, but this time Jesus, he lays his hands on him and doesn't say a word to this guy. And you can see in silence, Jesus is releasing that healing power. So he's conveyed the symbol, and now here he is, he's releasing that healing power. There's a transmission going from Jesus through his hands into this man. And uh, this is the only time this happens in the gospel. Jesus takes his hands off of him, doesn't say anything. He says, do you see anything? Now, the New Testament is written in Greek, and the, uh, the Amplified kind of picks up here. This is, is, it's more of a questioning thing. Here's how the Amplified translates it. Do you possibly see anything? Okay. Jesus is recognizing there's power leaving me, but it doesn't seem to be getting through. Something's blocking the connection there. Okay. And so he knew what the Father's will was. Okay. And so uh, he knew the Father's will was to heal. But what a person may experience is actually a surprise. As you're praying for the sick, guys, we know what God's will is. We know, man, we are representing Jesus. Like, we know what Jesus would do if they, if they came before him. And they're coming to the Christ in us, and so we're, we're releasing that. We know what God's will is, but we may be surprised at what happens, right? We're not totally sure how they're receiving. And in this case, Jesus, he could feel something being released, but he's not sure it was getting all the way through, okay? Some people, when they pray, they feel a divine heat. Sometimes you feel it uh, coming out of your hands, or maybe you feel it when you're receiving it. Heat is good. <clears throat> heat is usually an indicator of a healing anointing. Uh, some people uh, may feel a demon leave. Now that they're going to, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to, man- you know, okay, your head's not going to spin around, and you're not going to grow horns, okay? And so what, what you might say is, you know, I feel lighter. 
You know what? Christians can be demonized. They can be attacked by demons. It doesn't mean necessarily you've done anything uh, horribly wrong. It just means you probably have a big destiny and the enemy's trying to attack you. And when you recognize this doesn't belong to me, you may feel lighter. You may feel something lift off. So you don't have, remember, uh, the Holy, remember, love is not rude. The Holy Spirit's not going to embarrass you and have you convulse on the ground and do all these type of things. Okay? Are we good? Um, some people um, may feel uh, the Holy Spirit's power in the form of living electricity. You may actually feel things coming out of their hands or things going into them. Um, some people may feel nothing at all, but the pain's gone. And they don't recognize the pain's gone until they check it out. Some people, the pain's gone, but they're still stiff. And if they recognize if they'll stretch out, I'm actually healed. The pain left. That's the important thing, right? Um, some people may receive a partial healing that will strongly encourage them to seek Christ for the completion of their healing. So here uh, in this story, we have the only uh, instance of a partial healing. And guess what? Here's what this tells us. Every partial healing in the Bible led to a complete healing in the Bible. And so if you can receive something from the Lord, this should encourage you. I can receive the rest of it. It's, meant to, it's, meant to, it's, it's going to build your faith. Okay? And so, so Jesus is asking, did the power get through? You know, like, did, did, like I, I felt something released. Did it, did it get through to you? Did it all come to you? Did something happen? Did you get it? And he's also trying to get a hold of this man's will. Remember, he's just been standing there. And you can see he just kind of, uh, you know, have you ever talked to a blind person? They just kind of look up, right? And so this guy, his response, he's like, so he still feels like he's a little bit passive still. And so Jesus, he's, um, uh, he's getting the man involved. And he's like, here's the power, like I promised. It's flowing into you. Take it, right? He's pulling him out of passive mode. And Jesus is trying to get this guy involved in Mark 8, 24. And he looked up. This is the blind man. The blind man looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. So the blind man received a partial healing. All right? He is aware that he's seeing people around them in their movements. They appeared like trees to him. In other words, he couldn't see the detail in depth. They were kind of foggy. They were kind of misty. Uh, they were, but he couldn't see the detail. And I want you guys to hear this. Telling the truth about what happened in the prayer is not unbelief. A lot of people, when you pray and you say, check it out, they feel like they have to lie to you so you don't feel bad, or they feel like they're making a bad confession. Well, I, you know, I, can, I can see, but I can only see people as uh, trees and uh, walking around. Well, that's, that's a bad confession, brother. You need, to be, you, need to say, you, know, you need to confess that you're healed. Well, I, I appreciate that, but if you're not healed, you don't have to pretend that you're healed. Well, those are just lying symptoms. No, those are genuine symptoms, and when they're healed, they won't have those symptoms anymore. Do you see how there's been these charismatic gymnastics that, you, you know, even though I'm not healed, if I say I'm healed enough times, maybe I'll actually be healed, even though I'm not healed. And so you can tell the truth. And if this guy didn't tell the truth, he wouldn't have got his complete healing. Instantaneous healing is not the only expression of Christ's healing ministry. Where partial healing is received, strong faith for finishing the healing ought to result. I'm going to say that again just because of your deadening silence. <laughs> instantaneous healing is not the only expression of Christ's healing ministry. It was the major one, instantaneous healing. God, when we're, we're laying hands on you today, we're expecting instantaneous healing. But where partial healing is received, strong faith for finishing the healing ought to result. Guys, we've got to use this kind of sanctified logic to motivate us in healing here. If the Father was willing to do this much, then he's willing to finish the healing. If I'm able to receive partially, then I'm able to receive the rest of my healing, even if it grows in stages as my faith grows. What did, what, what, what did Rhonda, what did help me Rhonda do? She hurts her hip. She hears this message, and she says, you know what, I'm holding on to this thing. Even if I've got to grow a little bit, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to let go until he blesses me. Verse 25, then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again. Okay, okay so he's like, we've got this far. Now we're going to go the whole way, all right? Jesus prayed for this guy twice, which means we get at least 37 times. I, I just made that up. So, like, we, we get to pray more than once. We see lots of people healed in the second prayer and the third prayer. Okay, I'm going to talk about some of those in just a second. So um, God's will is revealed from this guy by the man receiving his complete sight. If he would have just said a partial healing and then he said, okay, go and be well. Be well and well fed. You know, don't tell anybody. Yeah, like we would have said, oh, that must have been God's will, just partial healing. But that wasn't God's will. Jesus is revealing the will of God. He said, I only do what I see the Father doing. What the Father doing? He's making sure he's receiving everything. God's will for you is not just partial reception. It is complete healing. That's why you can pray more than once. Because we know his will. If you don't know his will, I guess this is all I get. Just a little, just a little bit of juice. That's not, that wasn't good enough for Rhonda. 
She's ready for the hoverboard. I hope she's not. I hope she, hope a spirit of wisdom was imparted to her. Christ did not settle for partial healing. Christ knew that the Father's will for this man was complete wholeness despite him slowly receiving the healing. This is why Christ does not hesitate at all to lay hands on the man a second time. He knows the will of God. You may need to have prayer more than once. You may need to have prayer more than one week. How on earth can you do this? Because God's will hasn't changed, but we can change. And he opened his eyes, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Okay? So the time between partial healing and complete healing was just a few minutes, just long enough for this little conversation to place maybe a few seconds. Um, listen, it's wisdom to allow partial healings as an encouragement to receive complete healings. Faith may not be great enough initially to receive a complete healing, but enough to receive something from God. And if you can get the partial, then the person believing said, you know what, uh, with, you should have even greater conviction. The Father wants me completely well. Verse 26, and he sent him to his home saying, do not even enter the village. Don't go back to that hot, gassy mess of unbelief. Quit going to that church. Quit hanging around those people. Quit listening to those people who are doubting and saying, I could eat the meat and spit out the bones. You're choking on the bones. Stop eating the meat with the bones. Get the filet mignon. Guys, sometimes you have to pray more than once for a person to receive their healing. Jesus didn't give up. He did what needed to be done until the result. Guys, we are not a hit-and-run church. We're not, bam, bam, send in your tithe, ma'am. Bam. That was pretty good. I just made that up. Yeah. And so when we pray for you, we're going to take some time with you. We're going to help you receive. And if you don't get everything you got, guess what? We're going to be here next week. And we've got healing rooms. And we've got all sorts of things available. We're not a hit-and-run ministry. We're going to stay with you until you get everything Jesus paid for. There's times when I pray and I feel the anointing release, but there's no visible, discernible difference in the person's condition. Here's what I believe. It's impossible for me to put my eyes on Jesus, to lay my hands at the command, and have nothing happened. But guys, I'm encouraging you. Most people's faith doesn't last past the prayer, okay? Keep believing and don't give up. Don't stop believing after the prayer ends. Sometimes a, a person's healing doesn't manifest instantly, but after some time that's passed, okay? Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, it will be done for you just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed that very hour, within 60 minutes. The 10 lepers, as they went, they were healed. So Jesus gives them the command, and they're walking away unhealed. And at some point as they walked away, they were healed, I remember, uh, maybe you heard me tell the story about collarbone Chris. We had a guy named Chris at our church, and uh, he had a broken collarbone. It wasn't sticking through the skin, but it was deformed. Uh, we prayed. The pain left, but he didn't like the deformity. And on the way home, snap, crackle, pop. It, it gets healed. Why did it happen on the way home? I don't know. I'm just glad that it worked. We had a, a family from Chicago. They brought their boy here. He was uh, about 10 years old. He was born blind. We prayed for him. We did everything we knew how to do. Nothing happened. We saw no visible manifestation. He wakes up the next morning with 20-20 vision. What happened? I don't know, but don't stop believing after the prayer ends. John 4, 52. So Jesus asked them the hour when he began to get better. Began to get better implies that there's a little bit of a recovery time. How are we doing? These are Bible verses. The cursing of the jig, tr jig tree. Oh, man, those... Those jig trees got the most delicious fruit you've ever had. The cursing of the fig tree. Jesus curses it, and then uh, didn't look like anything happened. They go by the next day, and it's, weave, it's weaves. Oh, my word. It's weaves had lithered. Man, I'm getting my merds wixed. Yeah, so. It took, a, it took a little while for the effects to show up. I remember one time I had some stuff going on with my skin, and I received prayer, and the person said, just like the uh, cursing of the fig tree, in three days, your skin's going to dry up. And I came to the meeting three days later, and uh, it was Andrew Womack. I said, where's that Jim Baker at? And so um, I said, right here, and it stood up, and uh, it all dried up. It took three days. Did the tree die when Jesus spoke to it? I believe it did, but the evidence wasn't seen until later. I had a friend uh, named Matt. Matt, uh, someone calls out a specific word of knowledge uh, about a torn, I think it was a torn meniscus in his knee. He stands up. He's got a uh, Velcro cast on from his uh, hip all the way down to his ankle. He stands up expecting to be healed. Oh, oh, he wasn't healed. His knee, his knee hurt. 
and um, goes to bed that night, gets up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night because he's a guy. And so um, that's what happens to us. And so he gets up, and uh, his wife's sitting on the bed crying, and, she, and he says, what's wrong? She says, you don't even realize it. You're walking without your cast. You've been completely healed. When was the power released? When he stood and received it, at, at that word of knowledge. When did it show up? Middle of the night. My friend uh, Ryder Sapp, I believe he's one of the greatest healing teachers on the planet. He says uh, when he's praying for blind eyes, you're not allowed to look for improvement for 36 hours. Why is he telling that? Because uh, when, when someone's getting their vision healed, uh, there, there is no more sensory organ than the, than the sight. We, we take in so much by the sight. So when you look and you don't see it immediately, you get discouraged, right? And so when he tells them, uh, don't look for it immediately, uh, you can start looking for it in 36 hours. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And what happens is by 36 hours, they're healed because they're not focused on the symptoms. They're not focused on the healing. They're keeping their mindset on the healer. Boy, that was for somebody today. James Maloney, he prayed for a baby born with um, no irises, just the whites. And he prayed, and um, uh, the next morning they had blue eyes. Went from white, see nothing, next morning, blue eyes. We had a lady who came here, I remember the first Sunday she came, she was a bag of bones. She was rotting, from, uh, rotting dying away from cancer. I think she weighed about 80 or 90 pounds. And uh, she couldn't even get out of the car. So she was in the back seat of the car. I don't know if you guys remember, she was in the back seat of the car. We went out and we prayed for her. Next week, she comes in in a wheelchair. We pray for her. Next week, she comes in in a walker. And we pray for her. Next week, she comes in in a cane. We pray for her again. Next week, she comes in walking in. And within a couple weeks of that, she gets the cancer report back. No more cancer. This is funny. So she's, she's still very thin. And uh, so we prayed supernatural weight gain. I think like in three days, she went from like 80 or 90 pounds to like 115, 120. And she's like, that's enough, Lord. That's enough. She's like, is it going to keep going like this? No, it stopped. She's a beautiful lady. Jesus moved this man from passivity to faith, and he wants to do the same for you. And he wants to do the same for you. There's many people like this man. You might be here. Uh, I know some of you are listening to this, but you're like this man. It isn't that they don't believe. They believe. They just have got some doubts. Jesus can work with doubts. Those doubts can become stepping stones. Maybe you've been brought by friends or family. Listen, we've all been there. Like someone gives you a book, and they're all excited, but you've got to read this book. You've got to watch this message. Here's this link. And you're like, yeah, thanks. I'm not excited about it. They're excited about it, Okay. And so maybe you're here today, and someone's all excited to bring you to the, oh, it's going to be so good. They're having this healing service. This is what you need. And you're like, yeah, this is what I need. Where's my free lunch, right? <laughs> Guys, that's not unbelief. That's just some doubts. Jesus can work with doubts. You're just not sure. You're not really sure about all this healing stuff. It's very possible that someone here or listening to this, you're, you're such a person, and someone's bringing you to Jesus because they know what he can do, but that's not your agenda, Okay. For those of you who fit this, I want you to feel the hand of Jesus taking your hand. I don't understand all this stuff. I don't even know why I'm here. I want you to see Jesus like, that's okay. I want you to feel Jesus meeting you right now. Not literally feeling him squeeze your hand. That would be super cool. But you're, you're, you're feeling this, okay, you know what? There's this invitation that he can work with someone like me. Your friends did what they knew to do. They brought you to Jesus. Maybe it's a spouse but Jesus is ready to take over for your friends. He loves you. He cares for you. And his concern for you is infinite. And he wants to deal with you as the unique person you are and help you along in your faith journey, help you overcome those doubts. Hear this, guys. The church may sometimes condemn you for your lack of faith, but Jesus never does. He's okay with where you're at. But he loves you enough to help you move forward. I want you to notice all these miracles for those of us who are praying for the sick, there's no formulas for these things. Jesus never did it the same way twice, okay? Uh, the only constant in every miracle is uh, Jesus' burning will to heal every person who came in front of him. That's the only constant. Jesus is consistently the author of the faith and the inspirer of that faith, and that's where it ends. Everything else is done differently. So as we're praying for you today, guys, we're going to be praying for you as an individual. If we don't hear anything unique, like spit in your face, then we, I don't think we will. Then um, 
uh, we're gonna, if you don't have a word from God, we have the word of God. And this is lay hands on the sick, expect them to recover. And we're going to speak with authority. So as we're praying for you today, it may sound weird. We might say, shoulder be healed. You're like, why are you talking to the shoulder? Jesus said to speak to the mountain. And we're using the authority of Jesus that, that he has now given us power of attorney where we can speak and he hears it. I say this as we come to close. Um, this is the only time that the healing wasn't instant. And I trust that gives courage and rest to a lot of people from both sides. Whether I'm doing the one praying or whether I'm the one who hasn't fully received healing yet. Um, every partial healing in the Bible leads to a complete healing. Don't stop believing after the prayer ends. All right? And so, um, all right, let's close. Let's stand up. You guys ready? Is the worship team coming up? We have the worship team come up here, and we're going to just kind of turn this into uh, like a healing room. And I'm going to call our ministry teams up in just a moment here. We're going to do a little mental exercise. We're going to use our sanctified imaginations. And so you guys good with that? Yeah. All right, so I want you guys to close your eyes for a moment. Now imagine you were able to get into a time machine and go back 2,000 years ago where Jesus is healing the multitudes. Christ is healing everybody. Can we just agree, if you were in the multitudes, we'd all be healed. If you were there back with Jesus, okay? I'm trying to help you get the right inward chemistry for faith in Christ as healer before we pray for someone or before you receive prayer. Guys, I want you to take the focus off yourself entirely. I want you to make the healing prayer all about Jesus. Not about you, the one who's praying. Not about you, the one who's receiving. We're completely taking the focus off of yourself and putting it on Jesus. Before you receive prayer, before you pray for somebody, inwardly remind yourself that if the person were able to get into a time machine and go back to one of those healing events described in the New Testament, that Christ would heal them. He healed all who came to him. The person that is receiving prayer, you are coming to Jesus in the same way. When you come forward for prayer, you're, sim you're demonstrating simple faith. You're by asking for prayer. That's faith. There may be some doubts. Jesus can work with doubts. But you coming forward for prayer is an act of faith. And I want you to remind yourself, nothing has changed in 2,000 years. The very, the very same Jesus, those 2,000 years ago, is seated at the right hand of God. And he's now residing inside of each believer. The Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Jesus, I just thank you that the pressure's off, that we can actually do this with a smile on our face because we're not trying to convince you. This isn't hard. We're looking at you. We're seeing if you're giving us any instructions, Lord, and then we are, uh, we're expecting you to reach inside of us and pull that faith out. So Lord, we just lay aside all the disappointments, all the pressure, and we focus our eyes on Jesus, knowing that uh, you haven't changed. The same Jesus from 2,000 years ago is here today, here today to heal the sick. And so I'm going to ask our ministry teams to come forward. And so if you are on the ministry team, if you've been uh, contacted to come up and pray, we'll be praying in pairs of twos. And um, for those of you who, are, uh, who aren't receiving prayer, you're welcome to just stay here and pray and be encouraged. And here's what I'm going to ask you guys to do. So before you come down to receive prayer...